All right, church, would you honor Joel and Julia Bell as they come to bring a word to us this morning? Let's just thank God for them and for Hillsong Church, what God is doing. Thank you, guys. Would you just extend your hands and praying for them this morning, church, as your Father, we thank you so much for this precious couple, the way they love you, the way that you're using them in Australia and around the world. God, as they're pouring out, we pray a great refreshment. We pray that you would continue to use them in even greater measure. And Lord, give them a word that would touch us and change us and bring us into the place that you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I hope you can understand my accent. Can you understand me? I'm going to try and speak with a refined Australian accent today so that you can actually understand what I'm saying. But first of all, I just want to honor Rob and Steph for having us here today. It is is such an honor for um, Joel and I to be with you. We're local church people. Uh, I, I've grown up in the local church all my life. When Joel got saved, uh, when he was 14 years, he discovered the local church for the first time. And ever since, we love the local church. So to be with you here this Sunday, a phenomenal local church, by the way, you are great people, uh, is such a great honor to be with us. So thank you very much for the incredible honor to be in the house of God today. And we don't take this privilege lightly and we don't take the friendship that has just begun lightly, but um, we believe that it's been God ordained. And that's the reason why we're here today. When, when you asked us, uh, Rob, to come and, you know, you said, look, we're just a, a little church in San Diego. That kind of nailed it in my heart. I'm like, well, I'm coming then. That's the very reason I'm going to come. And then we get here and it's huge, Joel's saying. So um, it's just incredible to be here. Uh, Joel's going to tell you a little bit about our family. But it was interesting, you know, uh, on, on our way down from Los Angeles this morning, I was, you know, checking uh, the latest on Instagram and uh, checking out what's been happening at home. You see, Sunday happened yesterday at home in Australia. So I was just checking out all the good things that God did in our church back in Australia yesterday. And, you know, it's amazing how, how God uh, knows his people. He knows you. And he actually knows uh, what he wants to say to his people. And he knows what his people need to hear. And he dropped uh, the scripture, 2 Chronicles 14, in my heart. You'll know this scripture. And this is for you today. It's 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. But I'm going to read right through to 16. I'm going to start with 14. But it was actually verses 15 and 16 that the Lord put in my heart for you as individuals, but for you as a a body of believers. And I just want to read it over you today. Will you receive it? Okay, let me read it. It says, then, if my people, or in, in your case, of course, if my church or people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And this is the part that I really believe that is a word for you guys in the next season of your church. It says here, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. You know, if I was you guys, I would start praying because you're already going to get answers. His ear is going to be attentive to your very amazing prayers. And then he says this, which I think is just amazing. For I have chosen this temple, all people, and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. And I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. You know, the word of the Lord for you as a a church and as individuals today is very simple, but really powerful, that you are very dear to the Lord's heart. And uh, as I was in worship in the first service, I just got a, a picture of this church going through an incredible growth season. And it wasn't one of addition, but one of multiplication. And I speak that over this place. This is going to be a season of multiplication where your amazing church is going to grow in numbers, not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of people exiting the kingdom of darkness and coming into the kingdom of light. This is going to be a house of salvation. And people are going to find safety and refuge. And I said that, and I saw this as a a community of safety and refuge. But way more important than that, this is going to be a place of salvation where they encounter the Lord Jesus Christ and have their lives radically turned around. And we can give praise to Jesus for that. So why don't you do that today in Jesus' name? This is going to be a season of multiplication. God bless you, church. Thanks, darling. Wonderful. Can we pray together? Father, thank you so much for our time. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word. Lord, we thank you that your word changes us. It transforms us. We speak your word into our community. We speak it right across San Diego, the whole region. And Lord, we ask that you would transform our community as we seek your face, as we turn from our wicked ways, as we repent, Lord, as we come to you and pray and and by faith and humility approach you, Lord, that you would heal this land, transform it. May this church be part of transforming this community, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, take us on today. Help us to discover what it is that you have for us, Lord. Help us to learn what that next step is, that we would take it with great confidence. It's different for every one of us, but Lord, lead us today in your precious name. Amen. Amen. It's great to have you in church. It's great you to, for you to have us in church. <laughs> it's great to be down here in San Diego. This is wonderful. And as uh, Rob was saying, we, Julia flies back tonight, so you have to excuse us at the end of the service. We need to take off and head back up to LA um, and pack. We haven't packed yet. Stuff's still sitting in the hotel. But we've had Hillsong Conference. It was amazing. And appreciate um, those of you that supported it. We had it in New York two weeks ago. It was Los Angeles. Uh, this this weekend and hopefully next year we've got New York secured next year in October 16 to 18 and we're trying to organize something for LA as well we're just working with the venues so stay posted 
with us. Look on social media, uh, grab our Hillsong app, download that. It's probably the best way to stay in touch with what's happening in our world. We have a brand new youth album that's been released. It's called Young and Free, and it's good, good music. So I wish I had some that we could give away, but didn't have anything on us. It wasn't until we got here that I'm like, nothing, nothing. All went yesterday at conference. We have two kids. Julie and I have been married for just over 20 years. I know. (laughs) We got married when we were 10. And um, (laughs) she's 40, I'm 43. I'll be 44 in two weeks. Um, Our kids, we have a beautiful girl, Harmony, who's 14 years old, and a gorgeous son, Eli, who's 12. And they are just such a treasure to us. They're at home right now, so we're missing them terribly and can't wait to get back there. We appreciate you guys having us here at All Peoples. When I say it with my accent, it sounds like old peoples. But it's nothing but old as I look around. It's got the generations, got everybody, got all kinds of cultures, all kinds of ages, the youngest to the oldest. And we feel really at home here because in our church back in Australia, we have over 100 nationalities. And we have multiple translations happening throughout the service. People wear headsets and all, all kinds of things going on. So we just feel like we're at home right now. It's great. It's good to be here. Gamastas, muy bien. That's all I know. Except for Andre, Andre, yipa. John chapter 13, verse 33. I love what Jesus says here. It really kind of defines what I want to talk about. He says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but, where, but you can't come where I am going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And this is where he really brings definition to the whole of Christianity. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the whole world that you are my disciples. Apparently... San Diego will know that you belong to Jesus because of the way you love each other. Isn't that strong? The way you love each other. I want to speak to you today from the subject, the occupation of love. The occupation of love. There's a great scripture in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 15. Is my mic popping? Going funny? Sounds awesome out there. Okay, it's just me that's in an igloo. Jeremiah 15, which I don't mind being in an igloo, by the way, in your fine state. Jeremiah 15, verse 19. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, which means repent, change your mind. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. You see the purpose of humanity, the purpose of creation, you see right there that we are meant to serve God. If we turn, if we return to him, come back to him, he will restore us so that we can continue to serve him. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. But watch this last sentence. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. Jeremiah is talking to the nation of Israel. You get this is some thousands of years ago. He says, you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. Israel is a nation of people surrounded by many different nations. 
And as you read through scripture, you realize that God picked one man. His name is Abraham. Picked one man and started a friendship. And then through all of Abraham's family, as it extended, came into millions of people by this time. Through that nation, God's expressed purpose was to reveal himself to one people group. Listen, watch this. He wanted to reveal himself to one people group so that through that one people group, he could reveal himself, you're going to love this, to all peoples. You read through scripture, that's what God was doing. He was revealing himself to one people. They're not meant to be more special than anybody else. The Israelites are no more special than anybody else. He revealed himself to one people that through him, through Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That everyone would come to know God through that one people. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, just before he leaves, he says, I just want to tell you one thing, just one thing. Can I just leave you with one thought? People will know you belong to me if you love each other. The whole purpose for our existence in this life, we're living in a fallen world. Everything changed in the garden. Fairness died in the Garden of Eden. Everything changed that day. Where we live now, we live with a different purpose, a different mission, and it's for the love that we have, others might see God. It's an occupation of love. The the strong warning to Israel was stay close to God. Do not let the surrounding nations and the way they worship, they worship the stars, they worship wooden images, they worship animals, they worshipped each other, they had all kinds of different practices of worship and God was always saying don't let other nations and other people groups and the way they worship different idols, don't let that influence you, you must influence them because I'm trying to reveal myself to you so that through you all nations might be blessed. All peoples might be blessed. Every person. All peoples means all cultures come in so that all cultures can be blessed. We want to reach San Diego and San Diego is going to reach America and America is going to reach the world. It starts here out into all the parts of the world. He's revealing himself to us so that through us he can reveal himself to all people. It's the whole point of this. That we would all come together. The mission statement of our church. I love the mission statement of Hillsong Church. When we first came on staff at Hillsong 14 years ago. We used to run a a church before that ourselves. We were pastoring a church in a different city an hour away. But when we first came into Hillsong Church, the the mission statement, the vision of our church, it captivated us. It's no longer a mission that we love and support. It's ours. We own it. It's ours. It's my mission. Do you know what my mission is here on the earth? It's exactly the same mission as our church. It's to reach and influence the world by building a large Christ-centered Bible-based church, changing mindsets and empowering people to lead an impact in every sphere of life. That's our mission. We want to reach and influence the world. We want to reach and influence the entire earth. We want to reach and influence the world. We want to build a large Bible-based, Christ-centered Bible-based church because we want to reach and influence the world. And the way you reach is with love. It's an occupation of love. It's not about being a Christian in your occupation. Like, you know, sometimes people put the word Christian over their business. It's not just putting Christian on your name tag or putting a fish sticker on the back of your bumper, having a little churchy sticker, you know, that's going to let you go to heaven. No, it's not that. It's what Christ does in our heart and what he does in our heart comes out. The Bible says that the heart regulates the hands. It's the heart that regulates the hands. We live in a society where the hands regulate the heart. 
what happens on the outside affects what's happening on my inside. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're not meant to live that way. It's an occupation of love. You're meant to let what happen, what I do on your inside, what I do in your heart, that's meant to come out to the world. So it doesn't matter how you treat me, all that matters is how I treat you. So if you give me a hard time today, in the world, in the, speaking in our society, if you're, if you're going down the street in San Diego and something goes wrong, that can affect your heart. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You live from the heart out. You live from the inside out. If something goes wrong, if somebody is not nice to you, that's why he said, love trumps everything. If someone persecutes you, pray for them. If they hate you, if they despise you, love them, serve them. It's an occupation of love. You let the heart regulate the hands. Even if your hand is harsh to me, my heart regulates my hand of kindness back to you. It's an occupation of love. I'm a Christian first. That's how we're meant to live. I'm a Christian first. I'm not a Christian politician. I'm a Christian who is a politician. We think sometimes that putting the word Christian over our occupation kind of changes everything. Like I'm now, I'm now coerced and, and, and pushed into having to do business with you. So if you're a Christian politician in our church, that means that I, I'm pressured now to vote for you. I'm not voting you for you because you're a Christian politician. I'll vote for a non-Christian politician. I will vote for any party that has biblical concepts in their party. I'm not voting for someone because they're a Christian, especially if they belong to a party that doesn't have kingdom values. You can be in any political party you want, but if your party does not represent scripture, I ain't voting for you. Now, what's different in your country is you don't have to vote. In In our country, we get fined if we don't. Here's the other crazy thing that you might want to know. In our country, you don't get any tax rebate on your tithe. You're in a blessed country. (laughs) But you think about it. I mean, what's the Christian business person? A a Christian business person. So now what? what, So now um, you're saying that so that I feel pressured to have to do work with you? So now I have to contract you because you're a Christian builder and now you have to do the renovation on my home because you're a Christian builder? Anyone ever been ripped off by a Christian builder? Anyone ever been ripped off by a Christian business person? We have. We lost $40,000. We lost a whole house deposit to a Christian business person. I've figured out that the word Christian over your title, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But if you've got the word Christ over your heart, that changes everything. It changes everything. So I've, I've noticed some of these guys are walking around with a little badge. I was trying to figure out whether they were Mormons at first. <laughs> and, and, and then I realized that it's, it's got like, you know, it's their title. It's, like a, it's got a, um, a pastoral staff and it's got their name. But, you know, and, and I can tell with these guys, it's purely functional. It's a function. It serves as a function so that we know who we can trust to talk to. That's all it's for. It doesn't identify them. They they don't wear it because now they're important and now they're somebody. It's not that that makes me somebody. It's what Christ does in my heart that makes me somebody. That's purely function. When when we go past function into identity, we're in trouble. It's no longer an occupation of love. It's just an occupation. And then we stick the word Christian on it to try and make it look spiritual. It's not a Christian politician. You're you're a Christian and you're in politics. So, So serve people in politics with kingdom values 
if you're doing that in business, if you, whatever you're doing, be a Christian. Be Christ in me. He's enough. That's all I need. Now I'm going to serve him and people in my community because it's an occupation of love. It's that first. I'm not a Christian pastor. I'm a Christian and I'm on staff at our church. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm sitting with a friend of mine. Uh, a couple of months ago, I'm sitting with a friend of mine who's gay. And we catch up a couple of times a year. We've had lunch a couple of times this year already. And he loves coming to our church. He, he, he enjoys the experience in our church. And, and he's on this journey. And he's a great guy. And so we're, we're chatting one day at lunch. And we're on this topic. And he just kind of, this is what he said. He just, out of his mouth comes this phrase. Well, I, I find that very interesting, Joel. Because as a gay Christian, my perspective is, and I'm like, whoa. What, what, did you hear what you just said? I nearly said his name then. <laughs> did, did you hear what? Did you hear what you just said? I said, I don't call myself a heterosexual Christian. It's like, where, where'd you get that from? I mean, what, what is that? As a gay Christian, my perspective. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? As a builder, my perspective. As, a, as this, it's my perspective. As, 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 a, as a Mexican, it's my perspective. As an American, as an Australian, as, a, as, a, as an Italian, it's my perspective. No, no, it's Christian first. It's Christ first. Him, him in my life. Everything else changes around me. I receive him and influence the whole world. It's an occupation of love. I am first employed by the Lord to serve humanity. So whether I'm paid for a job or still waiting to be paid, I have already got a job to do. I'm not employed because I get a paycheck from my church. I'm employed because I woke up one day and realized that Christ wants to use me to reach humanity. So if you have a job, don't have a job, in between jobs, you're still employed by heaven. It's an occupation of love. It's why we're here. It's why we do what we do. That's why Jeremiah says, if you return to me, I will restore you so that you can continue to serve me. You must influence them. Don't let them influence you. It's one of the greatest lessons to learn as a believer, how to be in the world, but not be influenced by the world. The pressures, the the tests that come our way, all those kinds of challenges. If I was to put a phrase up on this screen, it says worldly influence. You, You look at that, worldly influence. How many would say at first glance, that means I'm being influenced by the world? Yep, it's not a trick question. Some Aussies come here to get you in trouble. No, uh, worldly influence. When you, at first glance, I'm being influenced by the world. If you've been a Christian for any amount of years, you would have heard that phrase in church life, worldly influence. Watch out for the worldly influence. It's going to get you. That's why we come here to church. It's safe. Shut the doors, quick. <laughs> then at the end of the service, we open them. You ready? You ready? Go, 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 go. This worldly influence. Do you know why I think we see it that way? Because we live life mostly in receiving mode. That's how most of us live. Even as leaders, we live in receiving mode. I can be a leader. Well, what's my leader going to do for me? What's my instruction? 
Where's my help come from today? What's God going to do for me today? I wonder what God's going to speak to me today about. I wonder what he's going to do for me. I wonder when God's going to help me. I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what my opportunity is this week. I wonder what the government's going to do for me. So glad they're back in government finally. What are they going to do for me? What are they going to help? How are they going to help? What's going to happen to me? I wonder what my family's going to do for me. What's my school going to do? I'm in receiving mode. Everything's receiving mode. Can we just for a moment pretend to live in giving mode? Just for a moment. We can go back to receiving later. Just for a moment, can we live in giving mode? Let's pretend that we are giving, that we're contributing, that we are going to give back to humanity. We're going to give to life, okay? We're going to see where we can contribute today. Let's just pretend, just for a moment, let's contribute. Now read that. Worldly influence. Don't you think it's changed? We haven't changed the words, not changed the order, not changed anything about that. All we've changed is how we think. When you live as one who gives, worldly influence means I now get an opportunity to influence the world around me. And it starts with love. It's an occupation of love. Everything about this is a foundation of love. I start with love and then I enter the world. And I enter the world of church. I enter the world of business. I enter the world of education. I enter the world of politics. Wherever I go, wherever I put my foot, wherever I walk in this land, I enter the world with an occupation of love. Let let me finish with this last scripture. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. Verse 3 it says he, he issued this order. He, the, the person that's referring to, is Josiah, who is the current king of Israel. It says he issued this order. It's an instruction to the Levites, who are, are priests. They are like the pastors of the community, the leaders of the community. And this was the order because they were meant to teach all Israel who had been set apart to serve the Lord. You see, that's set apart to serve the Lord so that God would reveal himself to the Israelites and they in turn could reveal who God is to all people. I love that, all peoples. Here's the instruction. Put the holy ark in the temple that was built by Solomon, son of David. This is like centuries before. This is a long time before. They they have not been doing this. Put the ark that was built by Solomon, the son of David, put it in the temple, the king of Israel. You no longer need to carry it back and forth on your shoulders. Now spend your time serving the Lord, your God, and his people, Israel. What was going on at that stage is that Israel, sadly, had lost their love for God and that had affected their worship. Because the heart regulates the hand, their heart had gone cold toward God. They weren't practicing daily friendship with God. So the way they lived life and the way their children grew up, and I love your importance on family and children here, but the way the children started to grow up they then, the next generation, they didn't really have it role model and they didn't see how you're meant to have friendship with God. So a new generation of Israelites grew up where they didn't really practice loving God. They were, they were influenced by the surrounding nations. And we see here already, Jeremiah said, do not let them influence you. You're meant to influence them because I am revealing myself to you so that you can reveal who I am to them. So they're being influenced by surrounding nations. Their friendship with God has been tarnished. It's been disturbed. It's been disrupted. And in that, they had the Ark of the Covenant. They had some mixed religion going on. They still had the Ark. You remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Anyone watch that movie? 
Christians still go to the movie down here? Yep. Um, so they've got the, this ark, and you, know, you lift it up, and you're not allowed to lift it up in the, in the movie because you get blind. But anyway, if you lift it up, inside is the Ten Commandments. So that's the ark, and that's where the presence of God hovers. What was meant to happen, as you read through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, some of these books, the ark is meant to be in the temple, and that's where God visits, and that's where we come to worship, okay? They had lost that practice, and so they used to take the ark, and they'd go, put it down over there. And so they'd carry it on their shoulders, and they'd stick it down, and then we'd all come and worship, and we'd practice a bit of that, a bit of God stuff, and a bit of Baal stuff, and you know all these different surrounding religions and they kind of mix up and make their own thing and then they would put it back and they go okay let's put it over there and they'd worship let's put it over there and they'd worship all these different practices and they weren't revering the lord when josiah reads the book of the law and realizes that friendship from god is on offer but they're not accessing god that they're not appropriating that that they're not accessing back that they're not reciprocating the friendship that god is offering he is cut to the heart he's like whoa we we have not been honoring the Lord. We have not been worshiping him wholeheartedly. We have to change this immediately. And this is the instruction he gives. Put the ark in the temple. Put God's presence in the temple where it belongs. Stop carrying it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on your shoulders. Now give your attention to serving the Lord your God and loving people. If you fast forward a couple of thousand years, Jesus arrives, dies on a cross, comes back to life, goes to heaven. Right in the middle of that, the temple where the ark was located, the temple had a curtain separating common people from the holy people. When that curtain was torn in two, it's symbolizing that now all people have access to God's presence. Everybody now can come to him. You go through Jesus to get to God. Everyone now has access. Follow this story. We're meant to, because in the New Testament we see that the body, the human, me as an individual, I am now the temple of God. I trust Jesus. I love him. My body is now the temple of God. His presence, the ark, his presence lives in me. I no longer now need to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to church to get his presence. So I come here, get his presence, But when I leave in the car, I've still got his presence. When I get back to the hotel in LA, I've still got his presence. When I'm on the plane, I've got his presence. You don't have to come to church to get his presence. We don't gather here for his presence. We gather here to worship and honor him. And in the the congregation where our friends and family come on the journey to know him, we honor him together because collectively when we agree, corporately our prayer transforms our community. We don't come here just, this is the only place, this is not the only fuel stop of my life. We came down all the way, a couple of hours, on our way back, we will have to stop and fill up because we're we're nearly on empty. The tank's going to run out and we can't just keep driving. You can't keep living your life without God. So here's the two questions I want to I want to leave you with. Number one, where do you fill up? Where do you fill up? Where where do you fill up? Do you only ever fill up at church? Is that the only place you fill up? It's a great place to fill up. It's awesome. I'm not saying don't get filled up. It's awesome. But if this is the only place you fill up, what if you're a oneer? Like a once a monther. I mean, that's a long time between drinks, right? 
or you're a once a year. You're a oncer. You're like, I mean, you, you, you're living on the edge. You're like running on empty, man. And it was never intended that way. Where do you fill up? Do you, I mean, okay, let's say, well, I come to church every single Sunday. Awesome. That's fantastic. No, we're, we're pumped for you. It's great. And if someone who comes once a month, maybe your next step is just to come every week. And if, you're, if you come every week, maybe your next step is to start serving and helping and getting involved. But if you come every single week, how are you on Wednesday? Because here's the next question. What do you pour out? What do you pour out? Remember, this is an occupation of love. What comes out of your life if you have long periods between drinks? You know, you can be in church and not fill up. You can. You can go into a gas station and just kind of forget why you were there. It's possible. I mean, how many times have you opened the refrigerator? Because you're hungry, right? You open it and you go... What was I doing again? You're hungry, but you open it. You don't know what you want. So you can come to church and not fill up. Thinking about work and the bills and I'm hungry. I can't wait to get to lunch. Oh, I'm single. I've been single for so long. Where do you fill up? Where do you pour out? Could you imagine if our worship team today, could you imagine if they hadn't filled up until they got up here? It's like, okay, we're ready. What are we doing? What song are we doing? No, they, they, gotta, they come early and rehearse and pack up and later. And, you know, th- th- there's preparation here. They're filling up. Why? So they can pour out. You remember that old little nursery rhyme teapot? I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle, here is my spout. When I get all steamed up, then I shout. Tip me over, pour me out. Remember that? (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. Until you get all steamed up, what comes out? Can I assume for a moment that maybe when you get all steamed up in life, what comes out is what's gone in? Can you see how important it is? If, we, if our primary vocation, if, our, if it's an occupation of love, if before I go to work, I'm already employed, if the, 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 job, the real job that I have is not lead pastor at Hillsong Church, if my first job is an occupation of love, isn't it really important how often I get filled up Because even our 400 staff are going to require that what I pour out on them is not yesterday's frustration, but this morning's fuel station. If I don't fill up regularly, what you get is slops. So as a leadership, we can't just wait till whenever... Well, you know, I would have, but I'm so busy. No, no. Jesus, everywhere he went, he was constantly harassed by people, constantly had crowds pulling on him, tugging on him, wanting him, requiring of him. 
is it any wonder that as you read through the Gospels that the common pattern you see about Jesus is he disappeared early in the morning or he stayed back late at night hanging with the Father, filling up. Because he knew that once the sun come up, man, they're going to come from everywhere. Hide and seek. It started back then with Jesus. He'd hide, they'd seek. He's always trying to find him, always trying to find where he is. And he's like hiding. He'd run off. He's like, I just need to get filled up. I just need to get filled up. He's just hiding, just hiding from people. And they'd find him. They'd find him. Like wherever he went, they'd find him. And I want to say, the more hectic your schedule gets, this is what I'm learning. This is the take-home for me from conference. The more hectic my schedule gets, the more priority I need to put on filling up. And I can't afford, and I think, to be honest, here's the convicting moment for me. This is what the Lord was saying to me last night in worship. Because I was getting frustrated about some things that were happening because I was being distracted by some stuff that was going on. And I I was amused because for the first time in my life, I thought, I'm actually using this service that I'm leading as the opportunity to fill up as well. So really, I'm not ready to pour out love on anybody because I'm requiring filling up. But if I fill up before I get to church, then that idiot that's carrying on down the front doesn't disturb me as much because I'm so full of God's love that what comes out is love. I'm starting to realize that when I get irritated with you, I'm running on empty. I'm running on empty. This is a sign that I'm running on empty. Have you ever run out? Have you ever been driving down the road and you've run out? Have you ever, have anyone ever done that? I've done that too many times. Okay. Have you noticed what happens as you're running out? Your car still goes, doesn't it? But it goes clunk, 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 clunk. That's the friction of life. When we go clunk, 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 clunk with people, it's because we're running on empty. Because we've got to fill up. Can we get the team to come back up? It's an occupation of love. An occupation of love. Come on, team. Oh, you were already up. They were already ready. Can we all stand together? So wonderful having you in church today. One thing I want to do, I want to do two things. First thing, I want every person who needs to be filled right now to be able to be filled. There's two feelings that happen at this kind of time. One is, oh, I'm just so grateful. God, can you feel me? I just want to be so filled with your presence. The other emotion is, great, thanks. I was already feeling bad, now I feel worse. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. When God warns us and instructs us and He brings illumination to our mind, to our heart, when, and His light comes in and we go, wow, now I know what I've been doing wrong or what I need to do right. It's not so that we can feel bad. It's so that we can change. If, if you would return to me, I would restore you so that you can continue to serve me. He wants to fill you today. He wants to fill you. So right where you are, why don't you assume the Christian receiving position? No, you can do it however you want. However you want. However you know how. Come on, just 60 seconds. Can we just worship Him? You're enough for us, Jesus. You're all we need.
so diluted. The, the, the word believe in the Bible carries with it change, repentance, humility, surrender, continuance, trust. That's the word believe. For me to believe in God means I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to keep surrendering. I'm going to keep allowing him to renew me, work in my life. I'm going to keep following him. I, every day I get out of the car and I jump around. Well, not that side because I just thought I was in Australia, but I jump out the driver's side go around the other side and I let him get in I let him drive my life you know religion has had some good things to do in this country it has it's helped us to understand foundationally that there is a God that there is his son Jesus that he did die on the cross religion has brought a lot of education to our world it's great but it's also brought some damage religion has caused us to think that if I would just clean up my life and get rid of my bad mistakes, the Bible calls it sin, if I would fix that and start concentrating on doing good things, there might be a God who would love me enough to let me into heaven. That's what religion says. Religion really can't fix your problem. It can't fix sin. It can't fix death. Religion can't do any of that. It has nothing to offer for that because religion puts all the focus on you, on what you have to do 
get right with God. Do you know what, you know what the Bible does? The Bible puts all the focus on Jesus. Puts all the focus on what Jesus has already done. That if we would just surrender to Him and ask Him to come into our life to save us, if we would turn ownership of our life over to Him, we would not be punished for what our sins deserve, but we would have everlasting life. So I want to ask you if you would pray with me a prayer for you to surrender your life to Jesus, to trust Him, believe upon Him. The Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't I have to get my marriage right first? Don't I have to get my finances in order first? No, come as you are. Don't I have to become a little bit more popular first? No, no, come as you are. Don't I have to fix up all those mistakes? No, come as you are. Surrender to Him. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want every person in the building who wants to pray this prayer with me, I want you to put your hands straight up in the air. And then we're all going to pray this prayer together. Can we close our eyes? Can we bow our heads in prayer? And if you're here today and you want to pray this prayer, when I get to three, without any hesitation, everyone that wants to surrender their life to Jesus, call upon His name, become a Christian, when I get to three, no matter what your background no matter what culture you're from, without any hesitation, on three, would you lift your hand and join every other person that's about to raise their hand and we'll pray this together. On three, one, two, three. Lift them up. Just lift your hand up right now. Jesus. Surrendering your life to Jesus. You're asking Him to come in and save your life. God, forgive me. I want to surrender to you. Can we do one last thing together? There's a lot of you. I just don't want to miss anyone. We want to help every single person we can. As these guys sing this song, every person, if you put your hand up, you want to pray this prayer, you want to be included in this prayer, can I ask you just to step out of, the, of your seats, step out of your row, just come straight down, join everybody. There's lots of you. All come down the front here. Just come and stand down here. Just walk down, face the front. Just come now. Come. Just come now. Come out of your seats. Lots of you put your hand up. Come on. We're celebrating you. Would you come out? Come down. It's wonderful. Come and join us. Come down. Come down here. Lots of you. Come on, let's sing this together. Come down. I have decided. Come on, you come. Just come. Come on, church. Congratulate them. Come on, you come. Just come. I have Wonderful. Okay, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Let's all pray this prayer. There's numbers of you that have come down. There's a bunch of you that are still out there in the seats. And uh, that's fine. But can we all pray this prayer together? Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus. Come on out loud. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I could have your power to live a life for you. So come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins. Give me a brand new start and help me live for you all the days of my life. Amen. That's wonderful. Can we congratulate all those people?